we could be looking at the next super team if no one screws it up. I'm in my zone. Yeah. I'm in my zone. Breaking uh, yeah. them as they come. As they come. Who crowned at number one? Welcome to In The Zone. I'm your host, Chris Broussard. Hey, before we get into it, please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Give us five stars and leave a nice comment. We are back from All-Star Weekend, man. I had a ball, but I am very excited about this blockbuster trade that just went down while we were there in New Orleans. I'm speaking, of course, about three-time All-Star DeMarcus Boogie Cousins being shipped from basketball no man's land in Sacramento to, well, probably another basketball no man's land in New Orleans. But New Orleans is different in this way. It has a superstar in Anthony Davis. And now that Cousins has joined Davis, we suddenly have the makings of what the NBA needs now more than ever. Another super team. A team that could one day, theoretically, on paper, possibly, if the stars align, compete with the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Pelicans are certainly not there yet. Actually, they're light years away. Heck, they may not even make the playoffs this season. But I don't care about that. This is not about grabbing the AC this year. This is about successfully acclimating Boogie into their culture, developing rhythm between him and Davis, and building themselves into a future contender around their new two pillars. It won't be easy. This is one heck of a chemistry project. But make no mistake, if they do things correctly, the Pelicans can be the truth. With that goal in mind, as a Louisiana native and having the best interests of the NBA at heart, I'm going to offer some advice to New Orleans so they can turn their franchise into... Grow and change. I've heard several athletes say they don't regret anything they've done. Hogwash. We've all made mistakes. I've said several things I wish I hadn't. Done several things I wish I could take back. We all have, especially in our 20s. So Boogie, there's no shame in admitting that you did some things wrong in Sacramento. The shame would be in failing to recognize your mistakes, blaming everything on the King's dysfunction and repeating those same mistakes in New Orleans. Several sources told me that the majority of your teammates in Sacramento did not like playing with you. That while you weren't a bad guy off the court, you were selfish on the court. They said that if the Kings were winning and you weren't putting up big numbers, you were angry. They said you cussed out coaches and sometimes bullied your teammates. Boogie, you could be a Hall of Famer. Yes, even after missing the playoffs and developing a poor reputation over your first six seasons. At 26 years old, you may not care about your legacy. You're making all-star teams and mega millions. And for now, that may be enough. But one day, you will be concerned about how you're remembered, about getting the respect and the accolades that you deserve, about how your reputation affects your family and your children. You'll want to be viewed as the great player you were rather than as a malcontent who never lived up to his potential. You'll want to be Rasheed Wallace rather than Derek Coleman, Paul Pierce rather than Antoine Walker, Chris Carter rather than Terrell Owens. This is your chance to turn it around, Boogie. Don't 
blow it. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow it. Be the boss. It's well documented that DeMarcus has trust issues. I sat down with John Wall over All-Star Weekend, and he even told me the secret to getting through the boogie. What it is is if you really get to know him, he's all about first impressions. So, if you, like, you first meet him, if he don't like you, you're going to understand you're not going to talk to him ever again. <laughs> if he get a great bond with you early on and he feel like he can trust you, he'll go to war with you. Give Boogie some reason to believe he can't trust you, and it may be over before it started. This could all blow up in your face, and you'll be wishing you had Buddy Hill back. Buddy. So you, general manager Dale Dimps and coach Alvin Gentry, have to find a way to earn Cousins' trust. Try to get to know him away from the court. Show him you're concerned about DeMarcus the person and not just Boogie the player. But that's only the beginning. I've been told of coaches who did befriend DeMarcus, coaches he did like, and he still walked all over him. So soon, real soon, like yesterday, you need to sit Boogie down, him and Anthony Davis actually, and tell them what you expect from them, that you expect them to be your leaders, that you expect them to be professional, that you expect them to respect the game, their talent, their teammates, and all those within the organization that they have the opportunity to be like Tim Duncan and David Robinson, like Hakeem Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson, that it's your responsibility as the coach and the GM to bring that out of them, to push them to that level of greatness, and that in doing so, you're going to be hard on them, you're going to be more demanding on them than on their lesser talented teammates, and you're going to hold them accountable, even if it means chewing them out in front of the team. And then you got to do it. Alvin Gentry, Boogie is going to test you. He's going to go at you or one of his teammates in practice one day. And when he does, you got to check him immediately. You got to go right back at him. Let him know who's running the show. You may even have to kick him out of practice and send him home. That's what Mike Malone, the one NBA coach he respected out of the six he's had, did. If you fail to do that and give Boogie the impression that he can get away with anything he wants, he will bury you. Your team will underachieve, you'll get fired, and you will have blown a terrific opportunity. Play to your strengths, not Golden States. Alvin, I know you were a key architect of the Warriors' beautiful offense, but guess what? Steph and Clay didn't follow you to New Orleans. Yet you're still coaching as if your team is built to run. Your Pelicans are in the league's top 10 in pace, but ranked 27th in offensive efficiency. And now that you've got DeMarcus, I think you're more built to play like the Bash Brothers than the Splash Brothers. Look, no one, not Cleveland, not San Antonio, and certainly not New Orleans, is going to beat the Warriors at their own game. You're not going to win a track meet or a shootout with them, so slow it down. Slow and low, that is the tempo. Uh. The teams that have the most success against Golden State play big and oftentimes slow. No team in the Western Conference has had more success against the Warriors than Memphis, which has beaten them five times in the last three years, including twice in three meetings this season. How do the Grizzlies do it? They play at the third slowest pace in the league and pound the ball inside to Mark Gasol and Zach Randolph. 
How did San Antonio demolish the Warriors on opening night this season? By going big with Pau Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge. What enabled Oklahoma City to take a 3-1 lead over Golden State in last year's Western Conference Finals? Besides Durant and Westbrook, it was the fact that the Thunder had athletic bigs who could both beat up and stay with the Warriors' thoroughbreds. Cleveland's an anomaly because of the unparalleled greatness of LeBron James. But even they have good size in Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. I'm not saying you have to become a completely half-court team because Davis runs the floor well for a big, and Boogie is a solid three-point shooter. But Cousins on the block, some high-low action with Davis, and some bruising physical play should become a big part of the Pelicans' identity. I get those goosebumps every time. Besides Cousins and Davis, you guys also have a really good point guard in Drew Holiday. That right there can become a big three, if Holiday can stay healthy. Injuries limited Drew to just 94 starts over the previous three seasons. And while his absence early this season was due to a family crisis rather than an injury, his history of being banged up scares me, and it should scare you. So take these final 25 games to play Holiday and play him a lot. I would give him like 37, 38 minutes a game, maybe 40, just to see if his body can withstand the grind. If he does, pay him handsomely this summer and seek to add wing shooters and defenders around that super trio. Then you could be cooking with gas. Or since it's New Orleans, should I say cooking with grease? So it's that simple. Nah, I'm just playing. Like I said, it may not be easy, but it's certainly possible. Oh, and I wouldn't even worry about Boogie signing or not signing a long-term deal with you. This is as much a trial for him as it is for you. If he acts up and wreaks havoc on your club like he did in Sacramento, send his butt packing before next year's trade deadline. Either way, the possible reward is well worth the risk. And if you don't know, now you know. All right, let's take a break so I can tell you about the Undisputed Podcast. It's a daily podcast featuring my friends Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp debating the hottest topics in sports, hosted by the wonderful Joy Taylor. This is an unscripted and unfiltered version of the show each day with guests that range from NBA and NFL Hall of Famers to celebrities and rappers like Lil Wayne and 2 Chainz. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app. three-pointer all right so we're joined by my man dj johnny john as always in the studio how you doing man i'm good man good good. came back from all-star weekend with you yeah yeah you was kicking it out there man i was a little bit surprised no no snitching man i got got, got a fiance we gotta chill chill. uh let's just hop right in uh big news out here in la with the lakers mitch kupchak is gone Jim Buss is gone, Magic is in charge, and he just hired Rob Palenka, mm-hmm. uh, former agent, is now the GM. Yeah. What do you think about what's going on with L.A.? Well, look, I think hiring Magic is a good move. Obviously, it wins the press conference, but look, that's not the goal. But Magic is a leader. I think that's what they need. They need somebody to take direction of that franchise and tell him where to go. He will do that. I like the first few moves he's done. One, he traded Lou Williams for Corey Brewer in the draft pick. It was more about the first round draft pick getting off Lou Williams' contract. Um, So I, I think that's fine. And Lou was their best player. So right now, you're not tanking 
but you don't mind giving up your best player because it's about developing these young guys and keeping that top three pick. Uh, so I think that was good. Getting Rob Palinka, I like. He's a former agent, as you said. Kobe Bryant was one of his clients. James Harden, Eric Gordon, Andre Godala. He's been one of the top agents in the game. And to be a general manager, you have to have relationships with other teams and front offices and with players. And as an agent, that's what you do. So Rob is good with that. He's a good people play person. He's a grinder. As an agent, you have to work very hard. So he's used to grinding, and I think he's going to be the one doing a lot of the dirty work, more so than Magic Johnson as the president. If we look at the precedent, Bob Myers was a former agent, not even as big of an agent as Rob Palenka. He made the move to the front office in Golden State, and the rest is history. Obviously, he's done a great job there. So I like getting Palenka in. They kept Ryan West, who's Jerry West's son. He was the Lakers' assistant general manager. Good bloodlines there. He's a hard worker, too. So, so far, so good with what Magic Johnson's done. So I got a follow-up question. If you were such a successful agent, why would you leave that world to come be a GM? Like, what what are the benefits? Man, I think it's just more stability. Obviously, both you have to work very hard. Um, but an agent's life is, it, it is incredibly busy. I mean, think about if you have 10 or 20 clients, any of those clients could be calling you any time of day or night. Any of those clients could need you to do this or do that. You kind of have to be at their beck and call 24 hours a day and beyond that you always have to worry about other agents trying to take your your players away rob palinka used to have kevin durant and he went elsewhere like there's always agents trying to get your player from you so it's a dirty business and i think he just wanted more stability you look at the agent game typically you get maybe a 10-year period where you're on top Back in the 80s, it was the Fleischer brothers. Then it was David Falk who ran the 90s. You know, then you had Arn Tellum, but Arn Tellum moved, you know, into work with the Detroit Pistons. So, and then Palenka was one of the big ones. And Bill Duffy, like, so you have a period. It seems like you have a shelf life and then a bunch of new agents kind of take over for the next decade. So I think Rob maybe was reading the tea leaves and saw more stability. Uh, with the Lakers job and um, he, he lives in LA as it is so I think it's a good move for him and a good move for the Lakers at least I believe that way so far cool all right let's move on to another team the Boston Celtics they're in a lot of rumors mm -hmm. you know they've been in rumors for a while because they have all these trade assets they got picks and stuff so if you were Boston would you make a big move now try to get a superstar and maybe mortgage some of your future well, when you say mortgage the future, you're talking about they have those two picks from the, uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. They can swap the yep. pick with Brooklyn, which has the worst record in the league this year. Next year, they have Brooklyn's pick outright. Those are great picks. I mean, there's no question. And this is a top draft. I mean, you got several great players that some people think around the league can be franchise talents. So it's, it's, it's a tough call. But some of the names you hear out there, Jimmy Butler, Carmelo Anthony, Blake Griffin, Paul George. I would not trade that number one pick or one of those number one picks for Jimmy Butler, Blake Griffin, or Carmelo Anthony. If I get Carmelo, I don't think that makes me better or equal to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why am I giving up this top yeah. pick, which could be a franchise player? If I get Blake Griffin, am I better than the Cavs? I don't think so. Blake Griffin's already playing with Chris Paul, and they're not better than Cleveland. They're not better. 
haven't gotten past the second round. Not to mention you have DeAndre Jordan. I don't think Boston will have as much talent around Blake as the Clippers do. And they're still, the Clippers aren't, aren't an elite team at yeah. this point. So if I bring on Blake to Boston, I don't think I'm better than Cleveland. Okay, so I'm kind of in the same position. So I don't do that. Jimmy Butler. I like Jimmy Butler a lot. He is a truly great player. I do have some reservations about how he and Isaiah Thomas would fit together. Now, it might fit. Both are dynamic players, but both have the ball a lot in their hands. And Jimmy's not a great three-point shooter. So it might not work as well as some people might think on paper just looking at the names. So I'd have some reservations about that. The one superstar I, that is realistic, mm -hmm. I don't know if you can get him because Indiana may want to keep him, but if I could get Paul George, I would do that. He's a three. He plays both sides of the floor. He's a great defender as well as a great offensive player. I actually think he's got more than he's showing right now in Indiana. I think he's a little down. He's used to them contending. They're kind of they're young now. They're not a contender anymore. And I think that's taken a little oomph out of his game. I think in a situation like Boston where he could contend for the finals, he'd be more excited and, and probably play better. Um, so I would do it for – I would give up one of those – number one picks yeah. i would want it to be next year's yeah because i don't know that that draft's gonna be as good as this year's um but i i would do that for paul george because paul george is a legitimate superstar yeah. a legitimate mvp candidate most seasons and you put you got your point guard and i said you'd have horford at the four and you'd have uh george at three i like that a lot so i would do that for paul george okay. if i could do it yeah all right last question we found this on uh twitter uh, said, let's be honest, the All-Star game has become almost unwatchable. It's a joke. It's turned into the Pro Bowl. You found that on my Twitter. I found that on your Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People like that, too. Yeah. Got a lot of likes. Yeah, so, yeah. so talk about the All-Star game. You were there. Is it become? It's become a joke. It, yeah. Just like I said, yeah. it has become the Pro Bowl to the point where you're like, why are we even playing the game? Like, just have the weekend. Just have yeah. fun and the parties and the mingling and all that stuff, the, the dunk contest and the three-point shootout. And the, the But I like the All-Star game. Like, I want it to get back to what it used to be. And I'm not talking about the 80s or the 90s. I'm talking about, like, in 2012. Mm -hmm. It used to be competitive. It, they, we talk about the fourth quarters guys competing. Yeah, they go harder then. But even the first three quarters, they resembled basketball. And I mean, like, there was some form of defense. Yeah, they weren't going at it like they do in the regular season, but there was some resistance. It wasn't just a bunch of guys chucking up jump shots and dunking. And what happened was in 2013, they, went, they took 71 three-pointers, both teams combined, which is more than a regular season game, but not that bad. Um, they took 31 free throws. So there was some defense, some physical mm -hmm. play, some fouling. The next season, 2014, that's when I think it went downhill. They took 100 threes down to 21 free throws. Then the next year is 133 three-pointers. Then 139. Then this year, 122. So the free three-pointers kept going up. The free throws and the physical play kept going down to the point where this year, they only shot eight free throws combined. That tells you there was yeah, no yeah. defense or anything being played. So the game has become just a bunch of guys throwing up three-pointers and then the lane is wide open, nobody's defending, and it's just dunks or three-pointers. And so another thing is, remember, they've taken the center out of the game. They don't even have centers on yeah, the yeah. ballot. I think they should put 
centers back on the ballot because now you don't have anyone in the post at all. You don't have any post play. So that leads to, you know, congestion in the lane, maybe more defense, just a more balanced game. And look, it's an all-star game. So if it doesn't improve, so be it. We can do without the all-star game. Do you think that maybe the players are just so friendly now that when they get together at the all-star game, that's why they're not trying? That They look at it as nah, just like a... I think that's overstated by the okay. old guys. I mean, Jordan and Barkley were great friends. Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson were great friends. They kissed before the finals games. Um, so player Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain were good friends. Like, players have hung out all the time. That's overstated by the older generation. Maybe it wasn't to this degree, but still, guys were friendly and friends and hanging out and kicking it and things like that. So I don't think that's it. I, I, like I said, I think it's that it's become too three-point centric. It's like a bad pickup game. Yeah. That last pickup <clears throat> game when everybody's tired, nobody's really trying hard, guys are cherry-picking, guys are just throwing up threes. It's a bag, and you don't even want to play. I honestly, I don't know this. I haven't talked to, like, Kawhi Leonard or maybe even LeBron James, but I think that's why they didn't really play much in the second half. Yeah. Kawhi said, yeah, I'm, I want to rest. Let's be – you're getting this whole – you had the whole following week off, essentially, and he, he's he got plenty of rest. He, they don't play a ton of minutes in San Antonio as it is. I think Kawhi was just like, this ain't basketball. Yeah. Like, I want to compete. Mm -hmm. At least to some degree, Giannis Adetokounmpo, he was competing. He was playing. He, he was, was the trying. one that was playing. Yeah, yeah. I, it's gotten to a point where who cares who the MVP is? Like when Russell Westbrook, who I love, he won the last two MVPs, it was still like that didn't feel like Isaiah Thomas winning it. When Isaiah could say, I'm the best player in the world today mm -hmm. on this day because guys were competing. They weren't competing the last few years. Russell just scored more points than anybody else. And this year, Anthony Davis. He had 52. Did he do anything other than dunk that stood out like, oh, he's balling. He's taking it to uh, DeAndre Jordan or these other offs. No, it didn't like it just who hit the most shots. But it wasn't exciting. Um, when Russell went off on a string of threes, hit a few threes, that was fun. When LeBron hit the half quarter, essentially the half court shot, that was fun. But otherwise, like the dunking, dunking in games is only exciting when there's resistance. Unless you're going to be wide open and do like a 360, like Aaron yeah. Gordon and go behind your back, do some dunk contest dunk, which most guys aren't doing, then it's only exciting if it's over somebody. You throw it off the glass and dunk over somebody, that's fun to watch. You're alone, you throw it off the glass. I mean, we've seen that time yeah, and time again now. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So they need to do – hopefully they do something. I, I mean – you know, maybe you experiment with a deeper three-point, although guys would probably just be <laughs> chucking up 30-footers, you know, since it's an all-star game. But hopefully they'll be able to change it. Sounds good, Chris. Thanks a lot, man. All right, my man. All right, time to wrap it up and run it back. We could be looking at another super team. Now that Cousins has joined Davis, we have the makings of another super team. A team that could one day Take down Golden State or Cleveland. Boogie, you could be a Hall of Famer. This is your chance to turn it around, Boogie. Don't blow it. Now that you've got DeMarcus, I think you're more built to play like the Bash Brothers than the Splash Brothers. Bruising, physical play should become a big part of the Pelicans' identity. Then you could be cooking with oil. Or since it's New Orleans, should I say cooking with grease.
Game blouses. That's it for this week's show. Please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Give us five stars and leave a nice comment. Make sure you also catch me live on my nationally syndicated radio show, along with my co-host Brian No on Fox Sports Radio every Saturday, 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern. We'll be reacting to live games and covering all of the major stories in sports. See you next week. Peace. I'm in my zone.